Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you. 
go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord, for your truth, for your word, and for your light. Thank you, Lord, that you are calling people to listen today, to join together, to learn, to listen, and to grow in the truth. We ask you, Lord, to please soften the hard heads and the hard hearts. Please help them, Lord, to understand things that they have never understood before. Please help them to let go of all the false doctrines, of all the brainwashing and program programming that they have been under all of their lives. We ask for deliverance this day. We ask for your help. We pray that this sermon will not be in vain, but shall help someone to understand better, to see better, and to serve you more and better. We ask, Lord, for your special anointing on this sermon. We ask for it and we receive it in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
for the people that are listening for the first time, we're reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible, the AOB, Alpha and Omega Bible, which is a restoration of the original scriptures. 2 Thessalonians 2. And I would like to also announce that we have one more way that people can listen to the sermon now, and this would definitely help bring more people into, into the truth as well. And that is over on POW Talk. POW Talk. I've known about that particular chat, website, uh, and app for many years, many years. It's a really, really good chat website, and you can download it as an app as well. And it works, I believe, on all platforms. I had tried to get a chat room up and going for the ministry for a uh, midweek or Friday night or something like that chat a few years ago. And there were some people that was having technical difficulties and could not get it working. But those same people have, I believe, grown in at least at least some grown some growth in uh, understanding of how a computer works and how the internet works and things do change and these programs do update pretty much every program out there updates every year or so and so I am believing that uh, more people will be able to uh, participate and join the POW talk room uh, so that we can eventually have a Bible study and fellowship, uh, a discussion in a chat uh, among ourselves sometime during the week as well. That has always been my goal, but we most of the time didn't have enough people or we didn't have enough people that could uh, use the same program. So uh, I would believe that we can work with people and try to get people up and going on that. I know that there is Discord. I know that there is Brave Talk. I know that there is Jitsi or whatever it's called and all that. But I have problems with really all of those, uh, a problem of some sort with each one of those. Power Talk, I believe, really is the best way to go on that uh, for audio, to where we have an audio feature. I know MeWe has chat, but we can't do audio on that unless uh, everybody pays everybody, each and every person that joins the chat. and that's just not feasible at this point, I don't think. So it's better to use PowerTalk where it would be uh, completely free for everyone except for uh, maybe the ministry may have to upgrade the, uh, the room and our membership and pay for that maybe probably. But the members, everybody else coming to the room, uh, wouldn't have to pay anything. So. Uh, and it works really well and has a lot of features. So, and it has all the features that I'm looking for. Uh, Discord is too hard, too complicated. 
for a lot of people to figure out. And even if you understand the system, uh, a lot of people take 10 to 30 minutes every week to try to remember how to use it and so forth. So it's just a lot of headache on Discord and, uh, and so forth. So I will be sharing a link later today of how to uh, get into the PowTalk room. Uh, and also, it's a room that I'm going to be using every now and then to just go in and, and try to witness to strangers. So not just one time a week, not just one night, but several times throughout the week, going in to just try to uh, find strangers to talk to, to, to witness to, and, and you're welcome to join in that as well. I will share the information later. So here we are on March the 12th now, March the 12th, 2022. So that means we've got only five days to the strong delusion. Only five days. It is counting down. Less than a whole week now. Pretty exciting. And we see the developments on the world stage in the world of news. We see the developments in Russia, Iran, Syria, uh, China, Taiwan, uh, America, all across the world. We see everything intensify, intensify. We do. So we see even uh, Syrians traveling to the Ukraine, Syrians, to fight on the side of Russia uh, and Ukraine. There's a division there, uh, depending on what side they're on, uh, by the thousands, thousands. So that's a very interesting development. And we, know, we also know that Russia has sent uh, Muslims from Europe, not just from Syria, but other parts of Europe, uh, what's that, Bosnia and all that, that area, wherever that's at. Those have been sent in as well. Some very radical Islamic jihadists, which I believe is largely responsible for the war crimes and the bombings of, well, what they claim to be, bombings of hospitals and schools and, and uh, other things and homes. When you get the Islamic jihadists involved in a war, they don't care about human life and decency and law. They're criminals. They're demonic, demon-filled people, literally. Absolutely, literally, demon-filled people. They don't care how many people they murder. And so I think that's why a large of that, a large part of that that we're seeing, war crimes by Russia, I don't think necessarily all of it is commanded by Putin, even though he's evil too. And 
he's not righteous and he's not holy and he's not a really a decent person, he's not. But I think a lot of the war crimes really is by the Islamic jihadists that he is sending in, so it falls back on him. It's still his responsibility. The commanding leader bears the responsibility for who he sends in. And he knows that those are people that's not going to follow all the law and and are going to be barbaric. So it does eventually fall back on Putin. It's a very shame uh, that a lot of Americans do not understand these very basic principles of what's going on. Uh, So many Americans are siding with Russia and with Putin, believing every piece of propaganda that comes out there, propaganda that's being issued by the Islamic jihadists, by the Muslims, and the Nazis. What side of the Nazis are? It's not the side of Ukraine. Ukraine is not a Nazi nation. That's just propaganda. If you look at 666, John did not write the numbers 666. He didn't even know how to write the modern-day Arabic Hindu numbers. And I didn't even know this till a few years ago, but the numbers we use in modern society have the origin of uh, the Hindu people and the Muslim people. And so it's called Hindu Arabic or Arabic Hindu, whichever way it goes, uh, numbers. And John didn't know how to write those numbers, and he did not, because they weren't invented yet when he was alive. It came, uh, I forget, maybe uh, a couple of decades later, or 100 years later or so. So those numbers weren't even invented yet. So looking ahead 2,000 years into the future, John would not have recognized 666. He wouldn't even know that there were numbers. He didn't write numbers. And he, what he actually did, I believe, or at least in a spiritual revelation that we received uh, through the Codex Vaticanus, at least, even if he did or did not draw it, the Codex Vaticanus shows it, shows it, shows three symbols. And the symbols are not numbers, but symbols. Uh, the Nazi SWAT sticker for the first six. And then the middle symbol of six is the name Allah in Arabic. And then the third symbol is the communist sickle and hammer, symbolism for communism. So you got Nazi, Islam, and communism being the three sixes that are revealed in that oldest, complete, agent manuscript Bible. So that is nothing to ignore. And so you see the combination of Nazism in cooperation with, of the same spirit, uh, demonic spirits, the New World Order identity. The New World Order identity is Nazism, Islam, and communism. If you look at Russia and Putin, 
their allies are other communist nations and Islamic nations. And every one of those communist nations and every one of those Islamic nations of which all are allies of Russia, including Russia, are the enemies of Israel and of America and of England and of Australia, the Israelite tribes. So it's very clear who the Nazis really are. Amen. The Nazis are not the Ukrainians that Russia is fighting and destroying and murdering, but rather the Nazis are the Russians. Amen. The Nazis are, well, as far as the Russian regime, and anybody that sides with them, anybody that sides with them, even if they are American or a British, anybody that sides with the Russian regime, anybody that sides with uh, Assad, and a lot of Americans side with Assad as well, as foolish as that is, a lot of the same people. Whose side are they on? They're not on God's side. Very, very frustrating like what we see going on. A lot of lack of wisdom, a lot of foolishness. People don't have logic because they don't have the logos. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 1, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now, we request, Paul says, we request you, brethren, about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So there's a lot of people that are constantly saying that they pray that the Lord comes soon, they hope the Lord comes soon, and a lot of people believe that he could come today or tomorrow, or that he already came back back in the 1980s or 70s, or I don't know what year it was, or maybe the 1800s, that the Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus came back. Did you know that? That the Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus did already come back, and that we're already in the millennium, and that Jesus is already here on earth? That's crazy. Amen. That is crazy. And anyone that joins the Jehovah Witness cult, they deserve to be thrown into a mental hospital and thrown into a straitjacket, tied down and injected with all kinds of drugs. Because they must be absolutely insane to believe that crap. It's ridiculous. And yet, there's a Jehovah Witness church in almost every uh, medium to large-sized town in America and across the world. It's ridiculous how many people follow them. So, if you want to know about the coming of the Lord, it says right here about the coming of the Lord and about our gathering together to him, verse 2, 
that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or a message or a letter as if it was from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. So that reminds me of Matthew 24 where Jesus said, don't let anyone deceive you. For many people will come saying that they are Christ and deceive many. Jehovah Witnesses, amen. Let no one deceive you in any way deceive you. It's not until the apocalypse, that means falling away, until the falling away comes first. And also, something else that comes first is the man of lawlessness, which can also be translated the man of sin, is manifested, the son of perdition, which can also be translated the son of destruction. So he comes first. He is manifested. He doesn't just come. He's manifested. He's revealed to the entire earth, not just to this ministry. So, before Christ can come, before Christ can come, you first have to see the identity of the Antichrist revealed to the entire world. Now, of course, they won't necessarily call him the Antichrist. They'll call him God. But nevertheless, same thing as far as him being manifested on the world scene in a giant way, a major way. That's not happened yet. Now, but we are seeing the falling away. And today we're going to talk about the falling away. But the Antichrist, the man of sin, the lawless one, the son of destruction, who we call the Antichrist in modern religious vocabulary. So I use that often, that word Antichrist. I use it often, even though it's not biblically correct necessarily. But it is vocabulary, and I use vocabulary, and I use a lot of vocabulary of the world so that I can relate to the world, and so the world can relate to me, even as Paul said that he is as one uh, under the law to the people that are under the law, but as one that's not under the law to the people who are also not under the law. In other words, he tried to relate to each different group in a way that they could relate to him. And that's what you have to do when you are a leader. So, the Antichrist will be revealed five days from now, or manifested five days from now. Five days from now, March 17th, 2022, Thursday. And it could be, because there's 24 different time zones around the world, it could be the 18th or 16th in certain nations. But this is absolutely going to be absolutely. We really shouldn't doubt. We really shouldn't. 
And when that doubt creeps in, we should fight back against that temptation of the devil. The devil sends temptation. And his demons, his co-workers, and his people who are his co-workers. Some of those demonic co-workers that work in cooperation with the devil, as the Bible says, a lot of them are our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, and people in the social media groups, people that fight the word of God, people that absolutely refuse to examine the evidence, the proof, really, that is presented, the absolute proof that is presented about March 17th, and the identity of the Antichrist and other prophecies and even doctrines not related to prophecies, such as the Sabbath and the truth about heaven and hell and other things. So many people in this world that absolutely refuse to even examine, even hear it out about what the truth is because they are deceived. And Revelation 12, verse 9 says that Satan has deceived the entire world, not half the world, and not even most of the world, but all of the world, the entire world. So that does include your family. It does include even you at one time in your life. All of us was deceived because all of us have been raised in a very wicked, corrupt world full of sin and overflowing with sin and rebellion against God and God's word and God's revelations. Amen. And it's always been this way, but it also intensifies as we get closer and closer to the great tribulation and even in the great tribulation. And so many people actually hear the truth, though. I want you to understand something. A lot of people absolutely have heard the truth because this ministry is not brand new. We didn't just pop out of the egg yesterday. I wasn't born yesterday. I wasn't born today. This ministry started really uh, in the main ministry way back in uh, 2016. That's a long time ago. What is that, 16 years? Oh, it was 2006. Yeah, oh, that's right, 2006. I'm getting old and feeble, so my mind doesn't work very good anymore. But it was 2006. That's 16 years ago. For 16 years, this ministry has tried to reach the entire world. We was on the radio at one time local radio stations in two different towns in Pennsylvania, Omaha, Nebraska, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Asheville, North Carolina, um, 
Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, Detroit, Michigan, Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, these areas and perhaps others as well that we were on the local radio stations and especially in Detroit for uh, multiple different times uh, over the years. And we have also sent CDs and DVDs and we've sent Bibles all over the world. We've sent gospel tracts and we've sent postcards and we have done all kinds of stuff. We have run advertisements in newspapers and radio and Google and Yahoo and Facebook. Uh, and we've had social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook and MeWe and other, other things. We've done chat rooms and we've done live sermons and we've done recorded sermons and so much other things. And we have published books and we've published the Alpha and Mega Bible. And we've got over 200 articles on the websites. We've got several websites. We have done a lot to try to reach the world. And what have people done in uh, reply to that as a result of that is that the majority of the people that were exposed to this truth automatically, immediately, within a matter of one second, rejected God's word and God's hand of help and hand of salvation. And some people took one second, five seconds, a day, two days, six months, or a year, but eventually so many people have fallen away. So many people. And even if they had never heard of this ministry, I think pretty much everybody on this earth, for the most part, have heard about the seventh day through the seventh day Adventists. The seventh day Adventists is a very large cult, and they have at least introduced the idea of the Sabbath into the world, really, in just about every nation on earth. They have really reached out as well to at least introduce the idea of the Sabbath. And then, even though the Jehovah Witnesses are a cult, they have at least reached out into the entire world the truth about Christmas. So I think really, for the most part, every person at some point in their life has come across an element of the truth, a part of the truth, about Christmas or about the Sabbath or uh, something about the truth, and that they could have received, and they could have, and they had the opportunity, they had the opportunity to think about it, to examine it, to examine the issue, to examine the debate, to study the Bible. The Bible is available not only on the internet, but even at your Barnes and Noble, even at your Walmart. And they're free in all the motel rooms in America and everything else. There's really no excuse for the people that have thrown away, rejected, and trampled underfoot the word of God, even when it was passed through from the cults 
because you can always find an element of truth even in the cult. You can. You can find something that is true in any false religion, even in Buddhism, even in Hinduism, even in Judaism, even in the Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists, even in the Babylons and Pentecostals, even the Catholic Church. You can find something that's true because the devil always mixes at least, at least a little bit of truth and with a bunch of lies because it takes a little bit of the truth as a bait to catch people into those cults. All of those are cults. The Catholic Church, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Mennonites, they're all cults, all of them, everything that I listed. So, but people have had an opportunity. They have, and there's no excuse. No excuse. So even if they had learned some truth or a lot of truth from this ministry or from one of those cults, they have had an opportunity. And there's no excuse. And the falling away that we read about in this verse has been happening really for centuries, just like there's always been wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and hurricanes and bad weather. This is always there, always been. Even as Paul said, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's always been this way, but it just intensifies in each generation and as we get closer and closer. So where even in Noah's day, it got so bad that there was only one righteous man on the earth. And today, righteousness on the earth is almost completely absent. So the falling away has increased. The falling away has increased. And as we reach out there to try to witness to people more and more and more, People receive it, and there has been an increase in people contacting the ministry and saying, hey, I found the Alpha and Omega Bible, and I found the truth about the Sabbath, and I found the truth about God's name, and many other truths, and I accept all of it because I know it's true, because you have proven it. You have laid out the scriptures, and I know it's true. It makes sense. It's logical. And all of these false doctrines, they are not logical at all. They don't make sense. And they're not biblical. And it's an easy thing to figure out. And it really is an easy thing to figure out once you see the truth. Once you see the truth, you ought to be able to recognize the truth because it's logical. It's simple. It makes sense. And it matches what the Bible really says. So it's really an easy thing to accept the truth. And there's no excuse. So they come and they say, okay, I accept this truth. It's logical. It's true. It matches the Bible. And then guess what? The next day, or even the same day, or within a month or two or three or six, they're gone. It's really ridiculous. And God is angry and I am angry. 
yesterday under under the permission of the Lord I baptized a young woman in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins as the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and she verbalized promises and agreements as a covenant with God Baptism is a serious thing. She made a covenant with God yesterday in that baptism, and she made promises to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then guess what? Three hours, three hours later, because she had a little tiny conversation with her younger sister. She gets on me and says, I doubt everything. I am now doubting everything. Because someone younger than her Isn't there such a thing as elders? Isn't there such a thing as embracing the truth, knowing what you're talking about, knowing what you're accepting, knowing what you're agreeing to, and standing firm in it? And isn't there something about the elders leading the young? But the Bible did prophesy, didn't it? That in the end times, that God would turn that around and that the young would be leading the old and even the women would be leading the men. Because of the wickedness, that's the way it is, it's wicked. She speaks to her younger sister less than 15 minutes and then doubts everything. And then, either blocked me on me, we, or else deleted her account. Same thing. Absolutely ridiculous. I have never seen such bullcrap in my life, and I've seen a lot of bullcrap. Three hours after baptism. Three hours. Now you see why. That I do get angry. And now you see why. That I don't baptize people the same day that they contact me. Nor even the same week that they contact me. I don't do it. Because even if they've been with the ministry two weeks or even a month. As soon as they're baptized, they're gone. Bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. They treat Jesus like a prostitute. Absolutely ridiculous. And people think that because I get angry that 
I have a demon. I'm demonic. That there's no way that I can be a man of the Lord because I get angry. But yet they forget that Jesus got so angry that he made whips and chased the people with whips and overturned tables and chairs both. There is such a thing as righteous anger. Amen. And God is angry. God is angry. Because this falling away is not acceptable. And once you learn the truth and accept the truth and make promises in the truth, and then you throw that away, It'd be better for you to have a stone hung around your neck and have somebody throw you in the ocean. Because that is treating the Word of God like trash. It's disrespectful unto the Lord. But it was prophesied, and the Bible is true. Amen. And not only 2 Thessalonians 2 prophesied the great falling away, but let's look at Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. I actually think I'm handling this anger pretty well because I've not cussed yet that it's coming probably, maybe. Matthew 24, page 34. Page 34, as you have the paperbacks. Time is running out to get these paperbacks. I don't understand everybody's complacency. They act like the world is never going to end. Matthew 24, verse 10. At that time, many will fall away. It doesn't say a few. Many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And I would say that when you're getting baptized and three hours later to fall away and delete the account or block, whatever, same thing, I would say that's a betrayal against Christ and against this church. Amen. And then look down to... Verse 13, verse 13, but the one who abides, stays, endures, preserves in Jesus until the end, that person will be saved. That person will be saved. This proves, as as well as many other verses throughout the Bible, prove that absolutely a person can lose their salvation. Absolutely a person can lose their salvation. Because you can be baptized and accept the truth and have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't preserve it to the end, if you do not endure and abide in Christ, and even as John 15 teaches, even as John 15 teaches, if you become part of the tree of life, if you become the part of the body of Christ, the church, 
and you fall away, you lose that salvation, even as Hebrews, what, chapter 10, maybe teaches that there's no more sacrifice of sin for you. The blood of Christ is not applied. You can say, well, you baptize me all you want. But that baptism is void because Hebrews teaches the blood does not apply for you anymore. John 15 teaches that as well, and this verse teaches that as well. So I don't need the word void to appear to me in the Bible. I don't need to see the sentence that baptism can be void because all I got to do is look at verses like this and know that their baptism is void. Amen. A person, once they come to Christ in the truth, and they come out of religion, they come out of the Mennonite church, they come out of the Baptist and the Pentecost, the Catholic, Jehovah Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, whatever it is, they come to Christ in the truth, they've got to stay in the body of Christ. They've got to stay in the church. They've got to stay committed and determined to stay in the truth. Even if a hurricane blows, even if there's an earthquake, even if your family turns against you, even if the police arrest you, even if people laugh at you and mock you, even if your little sister doesn't believe you, even if the Catholic priest comes and tells you to burn the AOB Bible, you've got to stay committed to the truth because it matches the Bible. This is not a complicated situation. It's not a hard thing. It's life and death. Salvation is a life and death situation. Baptism is a life and death situation. You either commit to Christ or you don't commit to Christ. Simple. Baptism is a commitment to Christ. To walk away from that is divorce from Christ. There was another time I got angry yesterday, even before that. And I'm going to tell you about it, but first let's turn to Ecclesiastes. Volume 3, the Song and Wisdom book, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, page 106. Page 106, thank you. Page 106 in the Song and Wisdom book, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So, yesterday, even before the baptism, I was over in Powhatan. And I had started a chat room called the March 17 Prophecy, which right now I've changed the name to Sermon. God is angry at the falling away. I have to change the room name. So I would change the room name back to March 17 Prophecy at another time or maybe some other name. So anyway, I was in the March 17 prophecy room yesterday, and 
somebody came in the room, and the first person that came in the room, they were at least willing to hear me out. So that's good. And that's one good thing about Pile Talk is that I had found in previous years some people that would at least hear me out, which is a miracle in itself because most people won't even give you a chance to even share the scriptures. So at least the first person, first person came in the room was willing to hear me out. But then the next person that came in, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think it was five seconds or 10, 15 seconds after he came in the room. He's already saying that this is false and that I'm a false prophet. It's not true. Within a matter of seconds, how can you judge a matter in just a few seconds? Even the Bible says that uh, in different words, it says that if you judge a matter without hearing the matter first, you're full. It's ridiculous. So I became very angry. And I was saying that there are, there are no righteous on this planet. And that God is bringing the Russian army against Ukraine and Europe and America, and the world. God is bringing the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians to destroy this world, to destroy many nations. Because even in Noah's day, as it was, the people did not believe Noah. And people didn't believe Jeremiah and Ezekiel. When have ever people ever believed a true prophet? Very rarely. Very rarely. Even Jesus said a prophet is not even honored within his own country. He's not. Most of our uh, membership of this body of Christ is in Africa, the majority of it. And I'm in America. Here in the United States, we have very, very, very few followers, very few followers. And really, there's only Very few even baptized members in the American congregations. A prophet is never honored among his own nation. Jeremiah was not honored. Ezekiel was not honored when he was proclamated when they was prophesying. And even among their own people. And Noah was not honored. People laughed and mocked and ridiculed and called them every name in the book and said that they were deceived and the prophecies were false and everything. And there was all kinds of false prophets that were sent saying, peace, 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 peace. The war ain't going to happen. The invasion ain't going to happen. We're not going to be invaded. We're not going to be destroyed. But it happened. So... The very fact that this ministry doesn't have a lot of followers is part of the proof that we're in the truth. Because if I was a best-selling author in the New York Times bestseller list, then you'd better not listen to me. 
You better not buy my book. You better not follow the ministry if I was a number one top seller on the New York Times bestselling list. Because the world follows the world. And even as Jesus and as the Bible said that the world loves its own, you get millions of people following Joel Osteen and, and Joyce Myers and Benny Hinn and Rick Warren and others. How is it possible that they are true followers of God? It is not possible. Because the world loves its own. The lost follow the lost. The blind leads the blind. The world is lost and the world is deceived. So the very fact that we are a very small congregation is part of the proof that we're in the truth. But as I was saying, there's not righteous people on this planet. And so later, after the um, falling away of that young woman later in the day, uh, Brother Gerald, who is my personal assistant, personal assistant and my best friend, my best buddy, I couldn't do without him. I really could not do without him. Now that I'm in my uh, middle age years and and getting older and exhausted and wore down, I could not hardly do anything without my brother. He has really helped to energize me and keep me going and keep the ministry going and everything. So he's my errand holding up my hand. I couldn't do without him. So after that girl fell away yesterday, he he brought up Ecclesiastes chapter 7 here. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 19. Verse 19, wisdom will help the wise man more than ten mighty men which are in the city. So what that means is wisdom will help the wise man more than the physical strength and muscles and military and the armor and the swords and the horses are in the city. Wisdom is better than ammunition. Wisdom is better than muscles and everything. And you can have ammunition, you can have mighty men, you can have strong men, you can have army, nothing wrong with any of those things. And you can have muscles if you're a man. But one thing I cannot stand is a woman lifting weights as far as, you know, 100 pounds, 200, 300 pounds. That's disgusting. A woman shouldn't be lifting no 100, 200, 300 pound weights to work out and build muscles. That's a man thing, not a woman thing. Now, of course, if a woman wants to lift two pounds, three pounds, four or five pounds to strengthen her arms and strengthen her body, there's nothing wrong with that. But when she starts acting like a man, that's sick. It's not right. It's not natural. That wisdom is better than gold, really, and better than an army, better than a military. Wisdom is what we should seek. Verse 20, for there is not a righteous man in the earth who would do good and not sin. Now, Solomon was venting frustration. 
frustration with the lawlessness in the world. Amen. He's not saying that it's impossible to be righteous. After all, Noah was righteous. Noah was righteous. He was a naked, drunk, righteous man. But he was absolutely a righteous preacher of the Lord and a true prophet of the Lord. Absolutely. If he was alive today, everybody would be saying, everybody would be saying, Noah is a heathen. Noah is lawless. He's sinful. He's a dirty, nasty old man. He's a drunk. That's exactly. I promise you that's what some of you listening to this right now would think of Noah if he was alive today. So, Solomon in this verse is just venting his frustration with the sin in the world. He's not saying that it's impossible to be righteous. He's not saying it's impossible to stop sin. He's just saying the world is filled with wickedness. Verse 21, also take no heed to the words which the ungodly men speak, lest you hear the servant, your servant cursing you. For many times he will trespass against you. And repeatedly shall he afflict your heart. For thus also have you cursed others. All these things have I proven in wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it's far from me. That which is far beyond what was, and a great depth, who shall find it out? I and my heart went round about to know and to examine and to seek wisdom and the account or the explanation of things, and to know the folly and trouble and madness of the ungodly man. And I find her to be, and I will pronounce to be, more bitter than death, the woman, which is a snare or a trap, and her heart nets or catches and has a band or a chain in her hands. He that is good in the sight of thieves shall be delivered from her, but the sinner shall be caught by her. Behold, this have I found, said the preacher, seeking by one at a time to find out the account or the explanation or the truth, which my soul sought after, but I found not. So I have found one man of a thousand, meaning one righteous man out of a thousand. But a woman, meaning a righteous woman, a good woman, I have found none. I have not found. Verse 29, but behold, this have I found, that Theos made man upright, but they have sought out many works. What Solomon, is, what Solomon is saying is that he's known a lot of people, he's known a lot of women. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which also God considers concubines even as wives as well. But they're divided into a different category of a different type of wife, more like a girlfriend on the side or a sex slave. But he had known these 
1,000 women in bed. And he had known many people throughout his life as being a king and being famous and popular and so forth. But out of all the people he ever known and met, he may have found one, one out of a thousand good, decent men, but no good, decent women that he found. Or at least during the time that he's renting, that is what he shares. So he's not saying, though, however, he's not saying that a woman can't be righteous or good or that a man can't be righteous or good. And he's not saying that it's impossible that there might be two righteous men and a hundred righteous women. He's not saying that's impossible. But in his frustration, in his venture, he's saying, you know, there's wickedness in the world and everybody and everything that he sees is nothing but wickedness. And that's what I see today. Wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. People so easily fall away and people just get carried away by every wind of doctrine out there, but they won't get rooted in the truth. They refuse to get rooted in Jesus Christ and unshakable in the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we live in a time that Noah also experienced. And he experienced the same thing. God sought the whole world for a righteous man could only find that one drunk naked man that was righteous. Only one. And we're living in such a time today that God is angry. Because God was angry, he ain't going to flood the world with water and not be angry. Come on, that's anger. God flooded the whole world with water and killed millions or billions of people. It might have been billions. We have no idea how many people was on the earth. But it was probably a whole lot of people, perhaps even as many as we have today. That is possible. That was anger. That was anger. And when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that was anger. And when God brought the Babylonians and the Assyrians to take away his own people, his own chosen people, the Israelite tribes, that was anger. And when you look at Revelation 19, let's look at Revelation 19 right now. People think, as we turn to Revelation 19, people think that Jesus Christ never offended anyone, never called names, never called names, never hurt anyone's feelings. And that's bullcrap. That's bullcrap. They think he never called out sin, didn't ridicule anyone. That's bullcrap. That's not the truth. Why don't people read the Bible? Why don't people read the Bible? He did call names. He did call people hypocrites, both to the face and behind their back, because it was the truth. And there's nothing wrong with saying the truth. And the Bible does call people fools and 
And the Apostle Paul did call people fools. And Jesus did call people dogs and snakes and uh, swine. He called names. He did point out sin. And so did John the Baptizer. He called out sin. The Apostle Paul called out sin. Jeremiah called out sin. Come on now. Revelation 19. This is Jesus coming back at the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, look at verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. You know what I saw on social media here all that recently, a week or two ago? The darnest, most stupidest, most incredibly insane thing I've ever heard in my life. There was a woman somewhere on social media. I forget what that was. I think it was on Mewe, I think, maybe. This woman said on, on her page somewhere, she said, God does not judge anyone. What? What? God does not judge anyone? What, in, what is wrong with her? Cotton-picking mind. That is so ridiculous. I'm just using southern language. It doesn't. I'm not trying to offend or hurt anyone by my phrases. But it is absolutely ridiculous what we are witnessing in this earth. The increase of wickedness, stupidity, uh, insanity. You know, Daniel 12, I think it's Daniel 12, uh, says in the Reachitudigent um, uh, and in the AOB, it says that Daniel was told to seal the books, the words, uh, until madness came upon the earth. Madness, and I tell you, that's what we're experiencing. The whole world has gone mad. But God judges, amen. In righteousness, he judges, and guess what? He does also, it says here, he wages war. Jesus is not coming back in peace, amen, even the first time. Jesus said, think not that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. That's what Jesus said. Look it up for yourself. Don't believe me. I don't want anyone to just blindly believe me. I want you to examine the scriptures. I want you to take the time and the effort and the energy to, to examine what does the Bible say about the Sabbath? What does the Bible say? about our rewards and when we get our reward. Is it going to be that the meat shall inherit heaven or the meat shall inherit the earth? What does it say? I want you to examine these things. And it says that Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace but a sword. 
even in your own family, he said. You're not meant to be at peace with people who reject God's word. Instead of letting her younger sister bring her to doubts and fall away, what she should have done is said, okay, listen, little sister, I love you, but I have given you the scriptures. I have given you the truth, and if you have thereby you have rejected the word of God and you won't even consider, you won't even examine, you won't even take time to see what the Bible really says about this, goodbye, don't call me again. That's what she should have did, and that's what kind of attitude that she should have had against her demonic sister. Jesus is coming back to judge and to wage war. In verse 12, his eyes a flame of fire. And on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written which no one knows except himself. So he does have another name that no one has ever known and no one will ever know unless it's revealed in paradise. But that doesn't mean that there's a name, that there's not any name. Come on now. Moses wrote a name. He wrote a name. We know that. That's not debatable. We know that Moses wrote a name of God. And that same name of God was throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. His name is Jesus. And the book of Acts says there's no other name that mankind may be saved by. So even though he has a secret name, he definitely has a known name. He has a name that we do know that was written, that we can pronounce, that we can learn, and that is the name that we were saved by. Amen? Verse 13, he's clothed with a robe, soaked or dyed or stained, that's hard to translate, he's either soaked, dyed, or stained in blood, and his title is called the Word or the Logos of the Theos. And the armies which are in heaven, talking about us that's coming back with him, clothed in fine linen, white clean, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword. It doesn't say he's coming blowing kisses, does it? Does it say that Jesus is coming back blowing kisses? No. It says he's coming back with his mouth it being a sharp sword. You know what that means? It says right there in the next part of that verse, so that with it he will strike down the nations. You know what that means? He's coming back with words that kill. Think about that. He's not coming back blowing kisses, but he's also not coming back with sweet, whispering sweet nothings. Amen? He's not coming back whispering, and he's not coming back in gentleness. He's not coming back 
in sweetness, with sweet words. He's coming back angry. He's coming back with strong words that will kill people. And that also reminds me of the two witnesses, right? The two witnesses. It says that their uh, fire would come out of their mouth to devour, to kill the people. So even the two witnesses, I believe that fire is not literal, but it's symbolic of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost, that the words coming out of the mouth of the two witnesses are going to be sharp. Bold, courageous language. The two witnesses are also not coming blowing kisses and whispering and sweet words. The two witnesses are going to be using very sharp words. And thus also Jesus. Amen. And it says that he's going to rule them with a rod of iron. If somebody ruled the earth or a nation today with a rod of iron, that would be called a dictatorship. Amen? The iron curtain. There's actually nothing wrong with a dictatorship. There's really nothing wrong with it. But what's wrong in the dictatorships in our society today is that the dictators are demons and demon-filled people. That's what's wrong with the dictatorships we see today. They don't love the society. They don't love God. They don't love righteousness. They are wicked rulers. That's what's wrong with them today. But God is going to have a dictatorship on this planet. He is. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. That means he is going to be fully in control and he is going to be absolute. Absolute. He's not going to be wishy-washy. Amen. He's not going to be a wimp. He's not going to be a weak ruler. Amen. So that reminds me of President Mubarak of Egypt that was overthrown a few years ago back during the Obama administration. Even though he was Islamic, he was also, nevertheless, nevertheless, he was a good ruler for Egypt and for the Middle East. And he did rule with a rod of iron. Thankfully, he did. Thankfully, he had a dictatorship that was against communism and against Nazism, against the Muslim Brotherhood. He had literally outlawed the Nazi party, the Communist Party, and the Muslim Brotherhood Party was all outlawed under his dictatorship. And he met in person more than once, I believe it was more than once, with Herbert W. Armstrong, that was the apostle of the church at that damn time. Armstrong died in 1986 on the noon of the day that he died. And he was not a man that had all truths because that was the 1980s and 1930s up through, up through the 1980s. And it was impossible, impossible for him to have 
all of truth in that damn time because the seals, the books, the writings, the understanding of the Bible was pretty much sealed, even as God told them to seal the books until the end time, until the world goes mad, and then the seals would be woven. So he had a lot right and he had a lot wrong. But he was the ruler, and he did rule with a fist of arm as well, thankfully, because it protected the church during his administration. People get upset with me because I do rule with a fist of arm. I do, thankfully, because I have to protect the sheep. I have to protect the sheep from the woods and from those lunatics that would try to enter in and destroy this congregation. I have to protect the sheep as a shepherd under Christ Jesus. I'm held responsible for that. Amen. So we see here, let's continue in verse 15, that his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he has strike down the nations, he has ruled them with a rod of iron, and he threads the winepress of the fierce wrath of the Theos, the Almighty. Amen. And on his robe and on his thigh was a title written, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Now, if he's King of Kings, there's not a greater king in all the universe. If he's Lord of Lords, there's not a greater Lord in all the universe. He's the head honcho. He's the head honcho. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. His word or the highway. Amen. His word or the highway. That's the way God rules. His kingdom and his church is not a democracy. It's not a democracy. We have a council of seven, seven members of the council of elders in this church. But we don't have a council of elders to try to be a democracy. No. Absolutely not. We don't vote to see about every little thing, every little matter, and everything has to be voted on. No. The reason we have a council of elders is several reasons. One thing is so that I can get some counsel myself because there is wisdom in the counselor, counsel of others to have other people counseling me to help me make the right decisions if I'm not sure about something. And then also, another reason is it's good to have brothers. It's good to have support. It's good to have a full administration. Even as Jesus actually has the council of elders in heaven, 24 elders. But you know that the word of God is final. Amen. The word of God is final. It's not a democracy in heaven just because he has a council of elders. Amen. So I'll go back to verse 15. The last part of that is that he threads or presses the wine press of the fierce wrath of God. So what that means is he's coming back in anger. He is coming back very, very, very angry. Amen. But he's not angry at people obeying him. No. He's angry at the falling away and the resistance, the rebellion 
against his word, his messages, his revelations, his truth, his commandments, his law. He is angry at wickedness. Amen. Now we can be on God's good side or we can be on his bad side. And these people that are taking the side of Russia and Putin and Assad and the Democrats, they're on God's bad side. And they're going to face the wrath of God. And they don't have to wait to that last day. And that right there is the 1335th day of Daniel 12. And God ain't coming back a day sooner than that. Amen. You can pray, you can fast, you can huff, you can pass, puff, whatever you do. But God ain't coming back one day earlier than promised. It is written in stone. And scripture cannot be broken. Amen. Get on the good side. Amen. Amen. Get on the good side. I accept. That Ecclesiastes chapter 7 is a confirmation of what I had already said without knowing that verse about the world filled with sin, wickedness, that there's not any righteous people. You know, there are righteous people. As I said, Solomon was venting. But they are far and few in between. And even the righteous we are not where we need to be yet. But that's part of the purpose for the great tribulation. It's not just the destruction of the wicked, but also for our growth in maturity and deliverance from Babylon, from Babylonian ways, from the corruption of the world. The church itself needs to be our spiritual garments need to be pressed. Jesus is coming back for a church without wrinkle, without spot, without blemish, but we're not there yet. And we need those trials of the great tribulation, more precious than gold, as Peter said. We need the great tribulation. The church needs the great tribulation. And to try to pray it away and, and hope that God would come back today or tomorrow, that is cowardly. It is weak. It's not biblical. It's a fairy tale. It's immature. It's childish. It's make-believe. It's fantasy. It's not reality. People want to escape the great tribulation, but the great tribulation is the best thing that's ever going to happen. Other than Baptism, salvation, coming to know the truth. We need that great tribulation. We need that valley of the shadow of death of Psalm 23. We need it. Because once we're out there in the desert, we're out there in the wilderness, we're out there in the forests and the mountains and the caves and the mines, men will become men and women will become women. The men will be the protectors again, the leaders, 
the hunters, the warriors. Men will learn and adapt and embrace the primitive nature that God gave them of masculinity, which the world calls toxic. But it's not toxic at all, but natural and good for a man to be bold, be courageous, to be strong, to not be a winner, to be the leaders of their wives, and to have multiple wives. Because Matthew 25, Jesus himself described himself as a permigabus. Jesus himself described himself as a man that is coming back for his bride that is not one woman, but ten virgins, of which five fall away, but five remain. And if pornography of having more than one wife was truly a sin as we have been programmed and deceived to believe and brainwashed to believe, then Jesus himself would not use that analogy for his self, his self. He's describing himself. He is the bridegroom. He is the man coming back from multiple women. Back in agent Israelite culture, the man didn't have two wives. It was not full honor. It was not full honor. Even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had multiple wives. Even Moses had at least two wives. Even David had a ton of wives. And, and God told him, God said, I would even give you more women if you have asked me, even more. People look at what he did with Bathsheba and they don't understand. His sin with Bathsheba is that he had sent Bathsheba's husband into battle to get him killed on purpose, which is murder, and Bathsheba was already married. So that's adultery. The sin was not embracing another woman but rather the sin was adultery because she was already taken. She was already owned by another man. That was his sin. But even after that, God had mercy upon him because God is the God of second chances. Absolutely. People have a problem with me saying that, evidently. But I go by the Bible, and Matthew 25 is extremely clear. If having more than one virgin, if having more than one wife is a sin in the New Testament, Matthew is in the New Testament. Matthew ain't back there in the Old Testament. It's New Testament. And if having more than one wife was a sin, then Jesus would not have used that analogy for himself. He was talking about himself. So if you think it's a sin for a man to have more than one wife, then you've got to say that Jesus was a sinner and that he used the analogy of a sinful man to describe himself. And that's not possible because Jesus was without sin. But people have been programmed 
brainwashed by the Catholic Church and her daughter denominations. The Baptist Church is Catholic. The Pentecostal Church is Catholic. The Lutheran Church is Catholic. The Protestant churches never did away with the Catholic teachings of the Trinity and that you can't get married, and if you do get married, it's got to be only one. That's a Catholic teaching. It's not the teaching of Christ. As it stands right now, I have one wife, only one. But one of the reasons why a man needs more than one wife, out of many reasons, many, many, many multitudes of reasons, is that if a man has great responsibility, if he is a leader, then then he needs more help. He needs more assistance. He needs more help and assistance. And we're all growing older by the day. And as we get older, the women slow down and the men slow down and everybody slows down and we need more help. And really, we should not be sending our children to these government schools and public schools or even the private schools run by false religions and communist private organizations. We shouldn't be sending our children there. The children should be at home being taught by the women. And if you have that, then you're going to need more than one woman in the house. Because if you have one woman is teaching class, then who's going to do the cooking and the cleaning and, and other things that may be done? Raising children and teaching children are two different jobs, and it takes a lot of effort and energy and time. And a man needs his food. Amen. Hey, let's just say it the way it is. A man needs his food. Men like to eat a lot. Amen. And the house needs to be clean. And let's say it the way it is. A man likes his sex. And people have a problem with me saying that. But that's not of the devil. God gave the man a set of balls. God gave the man the testosterone hormone. God gave the man the desire to have sex. Amen. It is from God, not Satan. And yet everybody out there is divorced. Almost everybody. And the number one reason is the man had a girlfriend. He had a concubine. David had a concubine or two or three. Amen. You know what I'm saying. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I would have even given you more, David, if you had asked. 
Time is short. I got to say it the way it is, even if it hurts your heart. Amen? I got to say it the way it is, because the heart of man is wicked. But the heart of God is good. And God wants us to enjoy life, be there for each other, have a family, have lots and lots and lots and lots of children. That's the way it should be. It's really sad when I see these people who uh, they get in their 60s and 70s and 80s and have no children there to help them. None. It's sad. But if a man was to have multiple wives, there would be children there. And surely out of all those children, there would be one to be there in their old age instead of shipping the elderly, your grandparents and your parents, off to a nursing home. If you had enough children and enough wives, we could take care of the elderly. We could take care of our own. We could take care of our family. People are hard-headed in their traditions of mankind, traditions of the Catholic Church. And it's hard to let go of all that programming because that programming runs very, very, very deep. It's very hard to let go of all that. I know that. The Bible is still the Bible. God is still God and the truth is still the truth. And we have got to submit to God His Word his correct doctrine, even if it goes against what all of our family thinks of us, because they're going to mock us anyway. They're going to really, really cure us anyway. The world is going to hate us anyway, so we might as well be the peculiar people that we're called to be. People say, well, you must be a Mormon. No, I'm not. The Mormons is a cult. They're a demonic Freemason cult. But as I said, you can find a little bit of truth in every cult. You can find a little bit of truth anywhere. But we need all the truth. And we've got to throw away all the lies. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. The time is short, and I've got to use a sharp sword of the Word of God and say it the way it is, and I want you, and God wants you, to read the Bible and study the Bible and believe it as is correctly translated, not in the corrupt translations. Read it the way they wrote it. The way they wrote it. Amen. All right, Brother Gerald, you got anything to add? And I will add two announcements after this, but let's see if Brother Gerald has anything to add or not. Just a few minutes laying your sentence. The insane doctrine that God never judges is being taught by Satan himself right now. Amen. And that's where that one comes from. Amen. And I saw it in the newspapers, I think it was a day ago, how they're writing articles and pray that Jesus might come at any time, rapture, watching for the rapture, and all that crap. That's crazy yeah. mind, too. Yeah. And It's important to test 
and prove the truth because you're going to be tested by every false doctrine and temptation that can be thrown at you. And if you don't, you're just going to be washed away like that. Amen. Temptations and threats. So I'm glad you said that because I forgot to say this. So on now on, before I baptize anybody, on now on, I'm going to drill them and test them about why they have accepted the truth. Why have you accepted the truth? Why do you believe that the seventh day is Saturday? Why do, why do you believe that that fourth commandment of the Sabbath still exists and other doctrines? I'm going to drill the people and test the people because people are coming and reading the website for one day and applying for baptism the same day. That's crazy. And people coming and, and, and asking for baptism after only a week after finding the truth or two weeks after finding the truth. And we are running out of time. So I can't really push them away. I want them to come and, and be enthusiastic and zealous and, and passionate about the truth. And, and baptism should be done very quickly and soon. But at the same time, I've got to make for sure that these people have examined the scriptures and have taken the time to ask themselves the difficult questions. I mean, come on now. If you have been going to a Sunday church all your life, and then you come to the website and learn that the Bible never says that the Sabbath was done away or that it changed from Saturday to Sunday, and it is easy to understand. It's simple. The scripture is clear. But you need to ask yourself, well, did Paul say that the day doesn't matter? What about Romans 14? What about Romans 14? What about it? Does that really change that the Sabbath is done away with and it doesn't matter what day it is and you can just pick a day? Is that what Romans 14 really teaches? You've got to think about it. You've got to examine it. And what about the claim that the law is done away with, that there's no law? But I'll tell you what, the same people, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostals, and other people that say there's no law, all the law is done away with, guess what? They have a lot of law they want to uh, shove down your throat. Amen. They have a lot of law that they shove down your throat, such as, a man can't have more than one wife. That's against the law. And that a man can't have long hair. That's against the law. So when you want to keep the Sabbath, because the Bible commands it, Jesus commands it, and the apostles continue to keep it all their lives to the day of their death, that's clear in the Bible. You want to keep the Sabbath because that's very biblical. And so they say, oh, that's a, the law is done away with. There's no law. But by the way, but by the way, even though there's no law, it's against the law for a man to have more than one wife or for a man to drink a beer or for a man to uh, uh, do anything. It's against the law for a man to be a man. It's against the law for a man to exercise his male hormones. It's against the law for you to offend anyone, to upset anyone, to call sin, sin. Well, they have a lot of laws, all right. They pick and choose which laws they want to enforce. 
which laws they want to believe in, which laws they want to shove down your throat. They're hypocrites. Amen. Anything else, Brother Gerald? Like, look at the Tyler verse. He's pointing out to me Ezekiel 24, verse 14 says, I, Jesus, have spoken, and it shall come, to, and, it shall come and I would do it, I would not delay. Neither will I have any mercy. I will judge you, say of Jesus, according to your ways and according to your practices. Therefore will I judge you according to your bloodshed and according to your practices will I judge you, you unclean, notorious, and abundantly provoking one. Ezekiel 24, verse 14. Amen, brothers. Amen. What about the great white throne judgment seat? What about that? How can anyone say that God doesn't judge? People are crazy. Amen. This, world, this whole world is going mad. Okay, a couple of announcements. Uh, the Americans, the silly, 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 silly Americans are going to change their clocks tonight. One hour forward. Fall back, string ahead. That's the old phrase that helps you remember which way it goes. In the fall, we turn the clocks back. In the spring, we spring forward. Fall back, spring forward. So this is the spring, so we're going to move the clocks one hour forward tonight. That means that all of our worship services after this will be... Uh, we're going to keep them the same time. But if you're living in another nation where the clock is not changing, then that means you've got to tune in to the broadcast one hour later. Earlier. If it is 2 o'clock and we're changing it to 3 o'clock, uh, Say, say midnight, say midnight, and we move the hour ahead. Maybe it would be earlier. Okay, one hour earlier, then, yeah, it would definitely be earlier. So if you're in Korea, Australia, I believe Jamaica, probably your hours are not changing, and uh, other nations outside of America, the services will be one hour earlier than what we have been. Okay? So that's effective immediately. The next announcement is PERM services. PERM is Wednesday and Thursday. And it's easy, it's simple. We should be at peace. We're here to worship the Lord. Wednesday and Thursday are holidays that we read about in the book of Esther, which is very prophetic for our time. Therefore, it's very important for our time. And if you keep God's holidays, then you have the ability 
to understand prophecy. And if you don't keep God's holy days, then you will not have the ability to understand prophecy. So all these people that don't, don't even keep God's holy days, how can they understand prophecy? They can't. They can't understand prophecy without keeping the holy days. Even Colossians 2 says that the Sabbaths and new moons, that they, that they are foreshadowings, that means they point to something in the future. They point to something in the future. That doesn't mean they're done away with. Amen. And so, uh, all you got to do, Wednesday and Thursday, is uh, celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. If that means to you to have a special meal, and that's how we celebrate, ain't it? Thanksgiving. We find the biggest bird we can find. We cook it. So let's, let's have a meal. Let's have a special meal. Amen. It might be a squirrel. It might be a groundhog. It might be a raccoon. But let us have a special meal. Amen. Not be a possum. If you come back from where I come back from, up here in these Appalachian Mountains, might be a possum. Might have a possum pie. Praise the Lord. So, and we're going to have special services Wednesday, the 16th, at 11 o'clock in the morning, 1100 hours in the morning, Eastern Time Zone. That's New York time, but thank God we're not in New York. Praise the Lord. Okay, and... Uh, I believe that pretty much covers it. I thank you for listening. I thank you for hearing me out, giving me time, share all these points and principles and Bible verses and what's on the mind of the Lord, what's on the heart of the Lord. His heart is grieved and angry. And three and a half years of destruction coming upon this world, that's anger. It is righteous anger. And this world and the inhabitants thereof, they are, they are very deserving. We are very deserving of everything we're going to get. God is righteous. He has already judged it. And this is his righteous verdict, his righteous judgment, that this time of testing and trial and punishment and purification that we're about to undergo is needful and, and it is the right decision that he has made. And so we do expect the Antichrist to appear in heaven in the sky on the 17th and then exactly 30 days later to invade Israel, and that would include America and American allies. We could see the invasion of Taiwan even before that, possibly. When I say I don't understand why people don't understand what the word possible means, I say something is possible, and they're like, uh, 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 is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know if it's going to happen exactly when and how and everything. I don't know every little tiny detail. If I say something's possible, 
That means it might happen and might not. The invasion of Taiwan is possible. It might and might not happen before the April 16th invasion of the other nations. We have to watch and see. I don't know every little detail. Amen. So, uh, and I do see also the possibility of a nuclear explosion of some kind in the Ukraine uh, on the 17th. That's possible. It might happen, it might not happen. But I do believe that the manifestation of the Antichrist in the sky uh, is definitely this the war in heaven and war on earth at the same time. This is clear. This is what we do know. Revelation 12, Daniel 11, that war in heaven and earth at the same time on March 17th. So it's, it's going to be some kind of a huge event. In addition to the Antichrist appearing in the sky, it's definitely going to be war, huge war, major war, a fake battle of Armageddon occurring in the context of a fake coming of Jesus. So it's going to be a gigantic war on March 17th. We see it leading up to it. They're telling us what they're going to do. They're telling us to expect a nuclear explosion and chemical weapons attacks and biological diseases released. They're telling us to expect all this. So I think we ought to listen. Amen. It's not difficult to understand. They're telling you to expect a nuclear explosion of some type any day now. They're repeating it over and over. I don't understand why people don't believe it. So we can see the fulfillment already happening. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. And I see you Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Until then, may God continue to speak unto you and lead you and guide you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.